Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. The most dangerous phrase in our language is we've always done it this way. There are an awful lot of posers out there. People that do lean because they're mandated to do it. They think it will work. How stable are you today? What are your goals? Are you generating small, simple improvements? There are very few people that embrace lean with their full heart, head, and emotion. Let's imagine that your current output is top-notch. Is that enough to stop innovating and stop reaching for more? Patrick's book uncovers the essence of what those organizations look like and what the posers look like. Caution, are you in the fake zone or the real zone? Order your copy today at avoidcontinuousappearance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast. My name is Patrick Adams, and we our special guest today is Bob Emiliani. He is a lean practitioner and a professor of lean management uh, for over 25 years, so quite a while. Prior to joining academia, he worked in industry for 15 years and had management responsibility in engineering, manufacturing, supply chain management, and I'm sure many other areas. Uh, but Bob was part of a team responsible for implementing TPS principles and practices in both manufacturing and supply chain at Pratt & Whitney. Um, he's also the, the first academic to establish a research agenda focused on lean leadership, resulting in numerous publications and very leadership development workshops. So I'm excited to have you, Bob. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm a fan of your stuff, love your books, love uh, all the content that you put out uh, to help other lean practitioners and consultants like myself. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I appreciate the invitation. I hope the listeners find this uh, to be quite interesting. Absolutely. I, I think they will. I'm, I'm excited. I actually had, I, I reached out to a couple of people that I know and asked them about different guests that we should have on the show. And your name was brought up in conversation by a couple different people. So uh, I think they will definitely appreciate uh, having you on today. So, Bob, you've written uh, books about lean leadership, Kaizen, lean in higher education, the history of progressive management, critiques of lean, and then most recently, three books that investigate why most leaders resist or reject lean management. This is a very, very hot topic. Uh, but why did you decide to pursue this particular topic? Yeah, you know, as everyone knows, uh, we've had decades of empirical evidence and uh, all organizations struggle to change from classical management to lean management. Uh, most don't make the change or they make it only partially. So um, this raises my curiosity because my background is in engineering and I had a lot of experience early in my career doing failure analysis. So when things don't go as planned, to me it represents some type of, of failure. And as you know, there's arguments, you know, can we fail and so forth, but whatever. The point is it doesn't uh, work out as planned. Uh, the, the results that people get, you don't see much in the way of just in time. Whatever goals they establish, those in many cases don't seem to be met. Oftentimes, uh, efforts to advance lean in an organization are, are abandoned. And so to me, these, these can be considered uh, failures. So the question is, what causes these failures? And so I, I pursued this topic because it's, it's, to me, it's fundamental to the successful advancement of lean management. And it's really important for the success of the lean movement generally, because if we don't understand what happens here, 
what happens to the lean movement. That's right. We just, uh, you know, if we don't know why most leaders resist, reject, ignore, whatever you like to call it, they just don't have much interest in lean. If we don't understand this, the specific reasons down to the lowest level of granularity, then we're really forced to just rely on luck for successful lean transformation. In my view, luck isn't good enough. Mm. Um, from my perspective, uh, it, it, it's disrespectful to dedicated practitioners to say, put in all this effort and, you know, cross your fingers. So I don't think we can rely on luck. Um, I think if we ignore the evidence before our eyes of these struggles and abandonment of lean and so forth, then, then we're, we're simply delinquent in our responsibility to solve this problem. So, so from my perspective, it's, you know, it's irresponsible to get people excited about lean and, and then ignore the struggles. And, in a lot of cases, the personal costs that they will encounter. I, I know a lot of people whose careers have been damaged by pushing lean forward in companies whose leaders were, were not committed to it. And so generally, I think people are, are frustrated out there. And um, But it's unfortunate because, you know, it's, it's been difficult uh, to, to get people's attention on this. While it's a constant source of conversation, uh, people mostly ignore uh, this this problem, they don't want to own up to it or talk about it because presumably it might dampen enthusiasm for lean. But I see it as if you don't pursue this topic, then that'll also have the effect of dampening enthusiasm for lean. Mm, that's so true. It's so true. And, it, and, and also when it comes to sustainment, right? I mean, we, we can only do so much uh, for so long if, if leadership isn't engaged, if they're not involved. Uh, I mean, they're there has to that that part has to be there in order to have that sustainment piece. It certainly does. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, and so, obviously, you, you've kind of addressed uh, the, the issue here a little bit, kind of at the surface. I'd like to get a little bit deeper around the problem that you're trying to solve with with this these these books and, and pursuing this particular topic. What? Let's talk through the exact problem that that we're trying to solve here. So there's there's really two problems. The first one is. Why do most leaders, CEOs, et cetera, resist, resist, reject, or ignore progressive management generally? Because this problem has been going on for more than 100 years. It began in the days of scientific management that most leaders resisted, rejected, or ignored progressive management. And so uh, obviously our context is, is lean management and, and, uh, uh, and so on. Um, so it's been around for a long time. And... What had happened was people really didn't learn from failure in a way that resulted in more successful outcomes. If you study the history of scientific management, you see we're repeating a lot of the same mistakes uh, then as now. So the pioneers of, of scientific management, they couldn't figure out why business leaders would not do what was in their own best interest and also in the interest of, uh, uh, of their customers, their employees, their investors, and so on. And so they couldn't figure it out in any detail why leaders preferred classical management, and, and, and uh, they assumed that the emerging field at that time, 100 years ago, of social psychology would someday provide the answers to that question. You know, why, do, why do leaders, um, why don't they do things that are in their own best interest? Anyway, it, it didn't answer the question. And so people's current understanding of this problem, you know, it just remains uh, superficial. So to me, it was very important to take up the challenge to, to solve this difficult problem. And it took a long time. I started this in 2007. Wow. And, um, you know, the only way you could crack, crack the nut here is by uh, having 
a combination of industry experience, you know, a lot of face time with executives and the training, observation. I had to do a lot of research in areas unrelated to lean because the answers to this problem are not in in the lean literature, any of that, or the scientific management literature. So, um, so anyway, I was able over that period of time to put together a highly detailed analysis that either fully or, or nearly fully solved the problem why leaders uh, are, are not real interested in lean management. And so the findings are, are spread across three books. The first one is The Triumph of Classical Management over Lean Management. Uh, the subtitle is How Tradition Prevails and What to Do About It. The next mm. book is Irrational Institutions, Business, Its Leaders, and the Lean Movement. And the third book is a Management Mysterium, The Quest for Progress. And so between those three books, they examine uh, uh, different aspects of what's going on here. You know, what is classical management? Why do leaders prefer it? Uh, why, why are uh, institutions often irrational? Even though you pre- present evidence that says this is the way to go, it doesn't happen. Um, and, and it talks about irrational institutions, also talks about an aesthetic that helps cement the status quo. And mm-hmm. then management mysterium looks into the secular spiritual aspects of all of this. Wow. So, that is a, a, that's a power packed book, uh, set of books. Yeah. And they're not, they're not, you know, long books to read. I mean, trying for classical management is about 300 pages, but the other two are about 125. Okay. And so overall they're, you know, quick reads, um, and they're very informative and they also just, there's nothing else like it, uh, around, um, everybody who reads says, <laughs> sure. Nothing like it. So, so on the classical, the first of the series, uh, the classical, or, or is that when you say classical management, is that like traditional management? You know, kind of along the same lines there. Yep, traditional management, conventional management is basically managing the way business has been led uh, for hundreds of years. Sure, sure. Essentially, it's a similar a similar style, and this really begins in the late Middle Ages, and certain aspects of how businesses are led today go back much further, thousands of years prior to that. Uh, and so it's important to understand that as we move forward in time, yes, we make progress, but we also drag behind us uh, the past history mm. and that's still with us today. And it's remarkable the extent to which things that happened thousands of years ago are with us today. And, um, you know, when you think about it, what is it? Uh, the arithmetic is right, you know, uh, 100 uh, generations is 3,000 years ago. Mm. So, so that's not a lot of generations, you know, it's no. not a lot, not a lot of generations to transmit things from one generation to the next in whatever the activity happens to be, if it's family life or something uh, related to, um, let's say commerce, because back then it wasn't so much business as we would understand it today, but just right. trading, trading relationships and so forth between uh, entities. Oh. Yeah, and I and I want to talk about the findings here in just a minute. But before I do, you mentioned there were two problems, and you you, you talked about the first problem. What was the second problem that that you identified in in your research? Yeah, so now that the first problem is solved, second problem is what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. How do you get leaders to go from classical management to lean management? And that's a much tougher problem. I, in, in triumph of classical management, I proposed uh, four solutions. But what, what makes it so difficult is that through doing this research, I discovered there's a network of eight categories of preconceptions that inform and also perpetuate classical management. So the eight categories are economic, social, political, historical, philosophical, business, legal, and spiritual. Mm. And 
so any, each one of those categories contains 10 to 15 preconceptions. So in total, there's maybe 120 that give the worldview of classical management. And, and that is why when people make simple economic or social arguments for lean, such as, you know, it's cost savings or developing people or a combination of the two or whatever, you may destroy only a few preconceptions that the boss has, but there's, you know, 118 more to go. Right. And so just making these relatively simple economic and social arguments fail to convince most leaders to, you know, go all in with lean. And instead they go in as, you know, partially and they do what, what I long termed as fake lean, just a continuous improvement tools. They ignore the respect for people principle and so forth. Right. So, um, so, so when people make their arguments to the boss and say, here's why we should do lean, they don't address many other economic, many other social preconceptions. And of course, it mainly misses the other six categories, uh, you know, political, historical, philosophical, et cetera. Okay. That so, makes sense. Don't forget. Yeah. Don't forget what Taichiano said. He said, you know, you know, this quote, everybody knows this quote. I hope that everybody does. It's, we are doomed to failure if, if we do not, uh, initiate the daily destruction of our various preconceptions. Mm. And so th that was, you know, he, he obviously been through this and observed, you know, people's reaction to it. And so he's well informed as to why this doesn't work, but it looks like what he, what he didn't understand was the vastness of these preconceptions that are associated with classical management sure. and the ways in which these are interconnected. And that's, that's a big problem because, and that's what the books illuminate is not just the eight categories of preconceptions and so forth, but they're interconnected. So there's an, ec there's economic preconceptions that are connected to the social, to philosophical, to business, to legal. And so it's, it's a, um, a difficult thing to unravel because of the interconnected nature of all of these preconceptions. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and definitely something that, uh, most of us have not thought about or definitely in, in that detail, understanding how it affects our, you know, daily management, right? And, and just being able to, uh, utilize some of the solutions that are in your books, the, the key findings, uh, you know, that yeah. to be able to apply and, and work through some of those challenges that we have. And obviously identifying the, the, the problem is the first step. Uh, but the next step is to, to actually have a solution for the problem. And so, you know, one of the things that you lay out in your book are, are the key findings, you know, from the identifying the problems and through your research. Uh, can you just walk us through maybe some of those key findings and maybe we can go into a little bit sure. of detail on a few of them? Yeah, let me say that just generally, though, the books are written in a you know, kind of a you know, arm's length, non-judgmental way with Triumph of Classical Management offering some potential solutions for how you dismantle classical management. But generally, um, you know, in lean, in lean community, we don't look to, look to other people necessarily to solve our problems. In other words, we take in information and we understand our circumstances and we come up with our own solutions. So that's why in these books, I mainly left it sort of open-ended, you know, is, is okay, you, you read this, you now have the information. So what do you, you know, you, you think of some ideas, right? You're the right. reader, you have some problems to deal with. You know what we're talking about here. So put your, your mind to work and think of some um, solutions to the, the second problem of, of how do you move leaders from classical management to lean management. Anyway, the, the triumph of classical management closely examines what I call the institution of leadership and the system of profound privilege, which is the antithesis of Deming's system of profound knowledge. And, um, and that's another thing I, I don't think, unfortunately, Deming understood in detail was, was how privilege profoundly helps maintain the status 
reinforce and maintain the status quo to prevent change. Mm. So the institution of leadership views lean and the toy away as just something that corrupts classical management. It's not seen as a good thing. It's seen as corrupting that which is well-known, that which has worked for hundreds of years, that which has delivered people out of poverty and so on. And so you should avoid lean because it's corrupting something that is known by proponents of classical management to work and so why why mess with a good thing. And so this is why you see mostly fake lean, which is essentially the application of the lean tools under the umbrella of classical management. And the economic ideas that emerged out of the late Middle Ages um, really don't have a, a theme of respect for people. And so just that doesn't really carry forward and make sense in today's construction of economic thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, the second book, Irrational Institutions, looks at how it's difficult to force logical thinking onto people you know, and, and organizations, meaning the, the leadership. And uh, it's, it's a, probably a fool's errand to do that in most cases. Mm-hmm. I can never say never. But it also critiques the aesthetics associated with the institution of leadership. And that's another unique contribution because people don't look at business from an aesthetic perspective and how that functions, you know, to maintain the status quo, even though the need for change is obvious. You know, so aesthetics is a, a unique way to understand why the status quo is so strong, efforts to maintain it are so strong. And um, the third book, Management Mysterium, that looks at the invisible aspects of leadership and management. So I call it the intangible, secular, spiritual, sacred, mysterious aspects of leading and managing organizations. And yes. these also are, are powerful features yes. of the institution of leadership that serve to maintain the status quo. So between the three books, you have a a comprehensive analysis of, of why leaders, why most leaders, not all, certainly, but most leaders rejects lean in its its full form. Sure. You know, they're not interested to go go all the way with it. Sure. But, so now having an understanding of that, this should result in some problem solving of how do you move leaders from classical to lean? It's and as I said, it's a more it's a more difficult problem. It's- this, this, it took 13 years to solve problem one. It might take 30 years to solve problem two. Hopefully <laughs> right. not. Well, and, but, uh, you know, you, you kind of hit on this, but it's it's going to be a little bit different depending on your team, your industry, you know, your your company, your your background, your history. I mean, all of this has to come into play when, when you're looking at how to solve that problem. And, you know, the, you're, you're talking about introducing, you know, scientific thinking to many of these organizations that are reading through your books. And, and you know, there's not going to be a cookie cutter answer, a, a roadmap to, to, to get an answer. It's going to be a little bit different depending on your organization. But being open to learning and, and experimenting and finding out what the solutions yeah. are is exactly the approach that, that you're suggesting. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so what people do when they read these three books is there's three reactions. One reaction is, I'll give you the, the bad reaction, is to throw in the towel. I, they see no hope. They move on to something else. Sure. They're typically still associated somehow with improvement. You know, they don't throw in a towel on the idea of improvement and so forth. But a small number of people say, okay, I've had it, forget it. Then, then there's a, a middle, a middle number of people, a much larger number of people who say, okay, thank God. Now I understand what's going on. For years, I was blaming myself. I thought I was ineffective. I thought it was all me that's the problem and so on. And now that I know what's going on, I'm going to be you know, more careful how I do things. I'm going to have a better understanding of how uh, people above me think and what's important to them and so on. 
And then there's, so that's a, a large middle. And then there's a small number at the other end of the, of the people who walk away from it, the small number at the other end who say, um, this has given me a lot of information that I need to know on how to interact with leaders more effectively. And so I'm going to take what I learned here and interact you know, more effectively to, to advance the lean forward in the company. So I think, you know, the benefit generally is people gain comprehensive answers to questions that for a hundred years, you know, they've been unable to answer it and they've frustrated people. They've been frustrated intellectually. They've been frustrated in their, you know, efforts to, to move lean forward. And so, um, after reading these books, you'll, you'll be comforted and calm and knowing why it's been so difficult to make progress. And personally, for me, in, in exploring this thing for 13 years, it's like, it is like an aha. Uh, you know, moment in writing these books is like, oh, now I finally understand what the hell's mm. going on here. And so, you know, you're less agitated as a result. Um, another benefit is that, um, you know, people understand it's not their fault. They don't blame themselves. Right. They, they, they free themselves of the guilt, of the pressure that they put on themselves. So I, so reading these books is good for one's physical and mental health. I mean, you, now that you, when you understand a, a problem that previously has vexed you, um, it frees up your, your mind. And sure. there's, of course, a connection between the mind and the body. And as I said previously, you know, if you know the answer to the first problem, you can move on to the second, bigger, tougher problem. How do you get leaders to move from classical to lean management? You got a higher probability of solving this second problem, you know, now that you understand what's going on. Right. But you got to work on this second problem. And, you know, to that end, you know, I, I want lean practitioners to understand what they're up against. Because there are just realities that this is difficult and so forth. See realities, it really is. Respond to it accordingly. But you also have to work on this second problem of how to get leaders to go from one to the other. And I'll tell you, what, what they did in the days of scientific management, we're doing today. Mm-hmm. We're, we're doing the same things, but expecting a different result. And we're, we're unlikely to see it. And sure, we're able to convince some CEOs and so forth. You know, and that's good. But um, it's probably for different reasons, a lot to do with luck, or that uh, just they believe that this is a better way to run a business and so on. Most most leaders don't see it that way. So we have to work on this problem. And to that end, uh, uh, I posted on LinkedIn a, uh, a summer learning festival via Zoom where we're going to, you know, I'm inviting people to share their learnings from each of the three books and uh, and their ideas for how to move things forward and it is strictly a, um, you know, it's not a marketing thing. I'm not collecting people's emails. Uh, it's like you read the books, let's talk about it. Let's see if we, let's work on this second problem. Perfect. Of how do we loosen the grip of classical management, loosen its hold on, on our leaders? What can we do uh, on a small scale or on a, on a, on a big scale? You know, it could be a national policy level down to here's what I think I can do in my company. And just inviting people to uh, join in on this to have the discussion and start to work on this. You, you might have seen my LinkedIn recently that says, you know, we need to move away from complaining that's, that leaders don't get it. Right. And so on to, to actually solving this problem. Of that's how right. Do you, how do you be part of the solution? Forward. Right. That's right. Yeah. I you, mean, you, I mean, you know, rightfully so. We, people have done a lot of complaining. You know, it's, it's a an, an difficult and annoying problem, but. You know, there comes a time where we have to say enough. We have, we have now in these three books, you have the, the explanation to what's going on so we can go the next step forward. That's right. 
I completely agree with you. And and you said you posted that out on your LinkedIn as far as invites go. Uh, maybe if we, uh, I'll, I'll try to grab the, the link to that and we'll drop it into the show notes. So if anybody's interested in joining you uh, for that, they can see it right in the show notes for, for this Thank episode. You. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Bob, that. what would be maybe some advice for somebody that's listening uh, that feels like they're living in uh, a, a, an organization where there is classical leadership, uh, but maybe they don't feel like they have the ability to impact that. W- what would you say, you know, what are some first steps or some advice that you would give to them on on how they can approach that? Well, I, I would tread very carefully, you know, because if, if you go talk to uh, your boss or somebody higher up the hierarchy and, you know, put in a good presentation for lean and so forth, you know, chances are the, the boss is going to smile back at you and, nod their head like this looks like a good thing to do and so you're going to receive a lot of signals that suggest approval or acceptance uh, but that may not those signals may not actually be be what they seem to be Mm. and instead it could be you know you could be walking into harm's way because this requires big changes in 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 these preconceptions you know a lot of preconceptions big changes in, in people's thinking and their, their actions. And, uh, you know, in hierarchies, um, people don't necessarily have to do what folks below them say they should be doing. Mm-hmm. They, they reserve the right to reject any and all good ideas that come from below the organization. So I, I think, and, and we've all learned this, but, but I don't know that we've developed a good enough approach to how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But I would tread, tread very carefully and look for your spots, you know, is where you can influence people. And don't expect, uh, you know, it's a slow process. In some cases, it's quick, which is great, but usually it's going to be a slow process. I think we need to understand this process of how do you change people's mind about something um, more carefully. I don't, uh, because there's, there's other things that have happened in the past where you have to change people's mind. So how do you do that? Mm. And one thing that Lean World has not been good at is advertising. You know, we, we, we don't, advertise lean in a way, for example, that you would see uh, how an iPhone is sold or how uh, automobiles are sold or how detergents is sold and so forth to people. This stuff doesn't sell itself. I mean, you know, as, as good as a Toyota car is, as good as an iPhone is, there's billions of dollars spent each year advertising for these things. That's right. They don't sell themselves. And so I think lean world, we put too little effort into um, advertising this in an effective in any way, really, other mm. than, you know, LinkedIn or whatever. But A lot of hard work and consistency. You know, I always love to have those two words, you know, when it comes to how to how to market lean to your organization, you know, or to your network. It's consistency and hard work. It's not going to come easy. It's not going to happen overnight. Right. And and I think it, you have to sort of really zero in on the, the, the problems or the pain that people are, are feeling at the, the higher higher levels. But the challenge is that there's a lot of ways for people at the higher levels to alleviate their pain. I think one thing that lean people don't realize is, is lean is one of 25 or so methods that leaders can use to solve their problems. Mm. And, and lean is the, the hardest and takes the longest. And so if you're a CEO of a company, it doesn't even have to be a big company. It could be a $5 million a year company. You know, chances are you're going to do whatever the CEO of a $10 million company does or the $100 million company does. It's a, there's a fractal relationship here between what, what leaders do. But 
chances are they're going to look at their options and say, okay, I can do one, you know, from this list of 25 things, pick three, there's lean two. I don't think so. It takes too long. I got to change my thinking, et cetera. And I, I don't, I just don't think people understand that the choices that leaders have to solve whatever problem they face. Uh, so and, true. You know, lean is one of many essentially equivalent choices. It's not equivalent to you and me in our way of thinking. Right. But to a CEO in their way of thinking, this, these would be you know, more or less equivalent choices. Sure, sure. So, so that's, we have a lot of work to do to move this forward. That's right. And one of the things I'm trying to do is to, to get people to understand that we, we have to start thinking differently about this. We have to simplify it. We have to come up with different ideas, different things to try. Conferences, books, webinars, etc. Essentially, is a repeat of the scientific management days. We have to think of other things. And I don't have. We require teamwork here. That's right. To come up That's with right. these answers. Uh, uh, no one person is going to come up with the, the key that unlocks the door. No, that's so true. And, and that's why I love the, the lean community so much because everyone is so open to share, you know, what's working for them or in, in humble enough to say what's not working and then be open to ideas that other people might have. You know, our conversation here is, is, uh, just so powerful to me. And, and I'm, I hope it is to those that are listening in too, because it, it does every person that you talk to, has different, uh, just a different thought, right? Right about how to approach this or how to do these different things, and being open to to listening and hearing what's worked for certain people will, will can help you. But there, again, like we talked about, there's no cookie cutter approach. We're not going to give you ten steps uh, because it may not work for your team in your industry. Um, you have yeah. to figure that out for yourself. You know. Yeah, and I really want people to understand that to, to, to advance lean forward, we have to do more than just talk. About about the success stories. We've got to understand why these struggles and yes. different types of failures exist. And by obtaining a complete picture of what's going on, because we talk very openly about lean successes, but in a very closed way about lean struggles and failures. Sure. Um, you know, I get, I get messages from people on you know, how their career got wrecked and how their boss yelled at them and stuff like that. And mm. we need to have uh, some, some, sympathy for that and take action because people are struggling. That's right. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I very much appreciate that. And, and, and I appreciate the fact that your three books are helping to lay out the, the, that, that current state of, of leadership and, and uh, giving us that option to start opening up our minds about what could the solutions look like. So thank you for that. Um, if, if any of the listeners are interested to grab your books, uh, where's the best place to go, Bob? Is it, is it Amazon? Is it your personal website? Where, where should uh, they go? It's, it's, it's Amazon, but if they want more detailed information about the books, uh, understand the subject and the, the chapters and so forth, they can go to my website and go get it. Okay. And we'll drop that into the, the show notes as well. Um, is there any anything else uh, that, that people should know before we close out here uh, for the episode? Anything that's weighing on your mind that you just want want the listeners to hear about? Well, I, I just, I want us to be more successful in the future than we have had, than we have been in the past. And I think the key to that is understanding you know, our problems and, and the lean community is supposed to be, a, you know, a problem solving community, but that conflicts with the world in which we live in, which is the business world, which is success oriented and does mm. not like to talk about failures mm. or problems generally. I mean, if you don't like the word failure, call it problems, struggles, right. whatever. Right. We all know it's there. We get tied up in semantics, but the reality is, is let's just bring, you know, bring it out in the open so that we can do something about it and not 
right now, there seems to just be a lot of shame about the talk about talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And some of the uh, you know famous people that we all know and love just don't don't want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. It's it, I've worked with a, a number of companies that uh, you know will not put red, or I guess they would, but they know if they put red on a chart, they're going to get you know yelled at. They're going to be berated. You know they're they're uh, and so they do everything they can, you know, to uh, try to not put red on, on a chart uh, that, you know, is red. And, you know, in reality, it should be the opposite way. It should be like, let's figure out where our red is, where are our failures, where are our challenges. Let's make them visible so that we can go after them. If we keep trying to hide them and act like there's no problems, it, we're just, yeah. it, it's I mean, not the know, reality. The lean, the lean community suffers from a credibility problem in in that respect, you know, is, is that we're unafraid to show, to report our own red. Mm. And, 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 so, and can we really say that we don't have any red? Can we really say we don't have any problems? <laughs> exactly. You know, we, we got a lot of red. We got a lot of problems. And, you know, fortunately, we do have our successes, but we have to, I mean, again, just, I know we don't want to spend all day here, but what is the, the amount of the companies that are doing lean more than a tool-oriented way? You know, both continuous improvement and respect to people. It's a hard number to grasp, but in, in, in most places, go, it's, it's very few, you know, yes. percentage wise. It's, you know, I don't know, five or 10%, whatever. So we got to, the point is, we all know that there's more out there that we can have lean management become more the uh, ubiquitous way of leading organizations rather than classical management. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So set a target 20%. Yeah, there you go. Right. That's, you know, that's another thing that with, with Kata, set a target here. If, if we've been able to achieve five or 10%, whatever the number is, pick one, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 30 years, what's our target for the next 10, 20, 30 years? There you go. So. Well, Bob, I love that you are being part of the solution. Uh, and, and again, I will drop some links into the show notes where people can get aligned with you in, in helping uh, to solve the problem that, that you address in, in the three books that we talked about. And I'll also drop the link to the three books as well so that people can grab those up if they want to. Bob, it's been a pleasure. Love having you on. I'd love to invite you back to maybe we can pick one of the three books and we can just do a deep dive in one of those three books, maybe in, in sure. a follow-up episode. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on, Bob. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.